This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is what the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 86. I'll save you the uh, headache, Rick. I'm going with Heinz Ward as my number 86. Anything? Nothing. I'm just right. blank. <laughs> just sorry. That's okay. There are yeah. a lot of 86s, so Heinz Ward is the easy one for me. I'm Ryan Wilson. That, of course, is Rick Spielman. And if you're watching on YouTube, it looks like Rick is on the surface of the sun. He's actually at the local library uh, helping little kids learn how to read. Is that correct, Rick? <laughs> yeah. We had some internet issues down here on the island, so the <laughs> fine folks at Sanibel Public Library uh, let me come over and set me up in a room so we could do this podcast. And I told them to put their logo on the back. There it is. And that uh, appreciate their effort to get me set up here, which was a little bit of a scramble, but that's what I do. I solve problems. And, you are uh, a problem solver. No doubt about it. I give you credit for that. You don't come across as a problem solver. You're a problem solver. And by the way, I thought you were going to say you, in exchange for the, the special room they gave you, you're going to let them do a five-star review. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to review books because they're going to put up, uh, you know, one of them books like, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, Catcher in the Rye or something like yeah. that. That uh, And there's no cliff notes here. They go straight the uh, hardcore books. At the library, <laughs> I'm not an English guy, but do you do you know who wrote Catcher in the Rye? No, I think it's pretty sure it's J.D. Salinger. So, uh, if we're wrong, uh, we'll find out about it. Yes. All right. Well, we're not here to talk books, thankfully, uh, but today we are talking about USC quarterback Kayla Williams and which NFL teams, now that we're about a quarter of the way through the old 2023 season, are best positioned to land the franchisiest of franchise quarterbacks since since who? Rick, you said on Tuesday show that you'd have to go Andrew all the way back. All the way back to 2012 and Andrew Luck before you find a quarterback, Rick would would uh, take over Caleb Williams. So think about that for a second. All right. So we'll go through the five teams that I think have the best shot at Caleb as we currently sit here. And Rick will give us the front office insights that have folks throughout the organization worried about things like job security this time of year due to, say, poor quarterback play, bad coaching, coping with the old injuries, locker room infighting, all that stuff. And then some. Although, Rick, you were probably fortunate enough not to have to live through that sort of Game of Thrones type stuff this early in the season? No, we were usually, uh, thanks to the Will family and and how uh, we were set up in Minnesota, was a very stable organization. We didn't have a lot of turnover. There was some coaching turnover. But for the most part, we were pretty stable on the front office side and uh, didn't have a lot of turnover in the front office uh, with the staff that I had. So uh, pretty fortunate to be in a situation uh, like I was in in Minnesota. But I'm sure you heard stories in the, in the fall as the seasons were unfolding sourly for other teams about problems in other organizations. 
It, it, you do, but you don't pay any attention to it because you're worried about your own problems. It's, it's like the draft. <laughs> yeah, you, you're in your own little bubble trying to figure out your own problems and trying to come up with resolutions on those problems. So you hear the noise on the outside, but you really never pay attention to it because there's not one team that really isn't dealing with some kind of issue internally uh, that even may not even be public. Um, so, but there's always... You always have your fireman's hat on, as we'd like to say, and you go into the work every day with your fire cap and uh, put out a lot of forest fires and you put them out before they become burning infernos. Yeah. Like, like you said, you're a problem solver. You walked into that library today with your fireman's hat on and look what it got you. Yeah. Yeah. I threw on my, where's my logo? Other side, <laughs> other side. <laughs> CBS Sports HQ logo said, hey, I'm with CBS Sports HQ and I need a room. This podcast is so important that uh we need to get uh, some shaking the kids here. can learn to read later get them out yeah get, get the kindergarten put them <laughs> at the other end of the building i have a podcast to do right now uh by the way and they're learning to read and count and if you're watching on youtube at nfl and cbs you can see on the official with the first pick draft countdown clock rick what are the numbers we are 203 days away from the 2024 NFL draft. That's right. And if the kids hadn't been kicked out of that room, they would have learned to count the two or three, but that'll be, I uh, have to save that for tomorrow. All right. By the way, next week we'll be doing a, another mock draft show. So mark your calendars for that. And you missed it on Tuesday, two days ago. We sort of touched on it a second ago. It's the latest pop or drop. Hit on some of the top performances from college football. Also ranked our top five NFL rookie performances. And let's just say there's a lot of talk about Caleb Williams and a lot of talk about CJ Stroud, uh, both in the, Oh my gosh, these guys are crushing it direction. So you can check that out on the old podcast feed. And I mentioned a second ago as well. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Nominate an FBS or FCS college player, and we'll evaluate his draft prospects on the upcoming show. You guys are doing a great job with that. And Rick, I'll just point out the first nominee we did, and it was nominated by Ethan from Oklahoma, was Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma quarterback. My man has been balling out. Red River Red River rivalry this weekend against Quinn Ewers in Texas. And he has, through five games, thrown for almost 1,600 yards, completed 75% of his passes, 15 touchdowns, just two interceptions. And at six feet, 200 pounds, he probably is uh, on the end of day three undrafted free agent range. But that doesn't mean he can't be in the Heisman conversation, and he currently is. And I think the bigger takeaway, Rick, is, is that if you're listening or watching and you nominate a player, they are guaranteed to be in the Heisman conversation by the end of the year. Yeah, and but the Heisman conversation especially at the quarterback position does not always equate to what they will be in the nfl and i could go back to and correct me if i'm wrong did uh down at my aunt gino toretta yeah ended up i think winning a heisman one year but did not have a very very good nfl career the other one who's made a great coach at tennessee josh heupel yeah uh, he's doing he is doing great. was another one who was very uh good collegiate quarterback, but just sometimes those skills do not translate to the NFL level. And even the top guys that we see come in, it's you still got a 50-50 shot of whether you make it or not in the NFL. Yeah, Jason White was another example of a quarterback from back in the day. He won the Heisman, didn't work out. I mean, it's not the end-all, be-all, but it is a fun, fun conversation to have during the fall. Tim Tebow, of course, won the Heisman. Look at some names real quick. Troy Smith played in the NFL. Um, but none Tebow. of them were franchise type quarterbacks yeah that's right anyway now that rick is raining a parade of 
Oklahoma success. Just leave a five-star review. We'll nominate uh, nominate the player, and we'll evaluate them because that's what we do here. All right. Finally, uh, give us a whole thumbs up if you're watching on, on the YouTube. So it helps spread the word. And as Debo mentioned last week, we are international, Rick. So wherever you are in the world, or even if you're watching on the moon or Mars, hit the old thumbs up. Let's get to it, Rick. Let's get to it. Caleb Williams, we say it every week, not to jinx the young man, but there is no scenario as long as he has all his body parts in which he is not the first overall pick. No, he is, he is like I said, one of those, uh, if you want to classify him as a generational-type quarterback, um, just not only from his size, his athleticism, his arm talent, his playmaking ability, his off-schedule, playmaking ability, everything that an NFL franchise is looking for. Is there things to clean up? Yes. Sometimes does he hold the ball too long? Yes. Sometimes does he force it into coverage when he doesn't have to and just live for another down? Yeah, that shows up at times too. But with his overall physical traits, and I don't know anything yet about the background stuff, uh, From you never hear anything negative about that, uh, but as long as anything from a negativity standpoint doesn't show up and he does come out in the draft, uh, there, there should be no question. And we talked about that with uh, Jalen Carter, and all of a sudden everything hit the fan when we were at the Combine last year. Literally. And all of a sudden that dropped him. You know, there was no question about his talent. So hopefully uh, Caleb Williams, as you like to say, is a fine young man, which mm -hmm. all indications are, and that uh, if he does come out, there's no hiccups that come up through the pre-draft process. And you could argue maybe less for Jalen Carter, who fell to nine to the Eagles, but you could argue, argue certainly for a quarterback, had the quarterback been named Jalen Carter and was a fantastic talent, and he fell to the Eagles and, as opposed to going to the Bears, for example. That actually works in his favor. Jalen Carter's playing hard now. Uh, it appears to be in a great situation. He's around some of his former teammates from Georgia, so on and so forth. So it goes both ways. Obviously, you want everyone to be – you know, like they're going to the library, having a good time, but sometimes that's not how it works out. So I don't know what, like I said, I don't know what would have to happen with Caleb or him not to be the first overall pick. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through five teams plus a, a wild card here in reverse order. So the teams that I think that are um, have a really good shot at Jalen Carter as we sit here at the quarter pole of the NFL season, and we'll start at the wild card, then go five, four, three, two, one in terms of team teams most likely to land Caleb Williams. So let's start with the old wild card slot here at the New York Jets. They're currently number six in the draft order if the draft were going to be held uh, today or tomorrow. <laughs> I don't think they end up that way. They actually played probably their best game of the season last week in, against the Chiefs and, and lost that game, although they certainly could have won it. Their strength of schedule going forward is 544. Um, is there a chance you think they get the first overall pick? No. No chance at all. They have too good of defense. They have too many yeah. playmakers on the offensive side. There's actually signs of uh, Mr. Wilson uh, showing up. I thought he played his best game uh, last week, and hopefully he can continue to build off that. But they're too talented of a roster to say that they're going to end up with the number one overall pick. A caveat to all this conversation that we're having is we're not taking any considerations in blockbuster-type trades at this point. So, But if you're just purely going off their roster and their talent, there's very slim to no chance that the Jets will end up with a number one overall pick, and I can guarantee a slim already left town. Nice. So as we sit here, Chicago 
and Carolina are 0-4. Vegas, Denver, Minnesota, the Jets, and the Patriots are 1-3. and That's that's the one that I was kind of curious about. Uh, I think New England will not end up with the number one overall pick, but with the way Mac Jones has not developed. Sweet mercy. And let's say that Bill O'Brien, who coached Bryce Young at Alabama, got an opportunity to work with a Caleb Williams. Uh, I can huh. see that more of an opportunity of a team trying to get aggressive to go get Caleb yeah. Williams than maybe a New York Jets team. So I mentioned those records because just using your gut instinct and 40 years of NFL experience, I'm adding decades to your NFL experience as we get through this podcast. Thank you. What is the worst record in the NFL going to look like in order to get Caleb Williams? Two wins. Two. Yes. So once you start messing around with three and four wins, you're out. I yes. say that because the Jets currently have one win. They won the opener against the Bills. This week they're playing Denver. Denver's not a good football team. Then they have the Eagles in their bye. Then they play the Giants, also a not good, uh, not a very good football team. So they could be out of the the running for Caleb Williams in a month. Yes. Yeah. Very okay. easily. I agree with that. All right. So I'll ask the question, but we know the answer because we don't think they're going to get the first overall pick. Aaron Rodgers is still in your plans. Do you hope he comes back even as a 40-year-old? Is that right? Yeah, no, but it doesn't mean – I think it'll depend on how Zach Wilson finishes the season, and they're going to have to make a determination because you're assuming that Aaron Rodgers is coming back and playing one more year with the Jets. Yeah. Uh, you know, highly unlikely that he plays this year, although the optimism is out there. The realistic view is I just can't – Imagine a 40-year-old quarterback coming off an Achilles. I know he's doing everything he can to try to get back if they do qualify for the playoffs. Um, but they have to make a determination on Zach Wilson. And if Zach Wilson is not the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers does play next year, which I'm assuming he's going to, then they're going to be in a quarterback hunt um, because they're going to, because of the decision they have to make with uh, Wilson. We should talk to your good buddy, Eric Sugarman, about his thoughts on the likelihood of Aaron Rodgers coming back in January, because that does feel ambitious. It's, it's very ambitious. And that speed bridge or whatever the heck they put in it, uh, that's not something new. It's been done before, but it's almost impossible for a 23-year-old to come back off an Achilles, <laughs> right. let alone a 40-year-old quarterback and as superhuman as Aaron Rodgers may be and may try to come, even if he does come back, he's not going to be the same uh, if he comes back that early off that uh, Achilles. Thing. Right, right, absolutely. Um, okay, Giants, or excuse me, the Jets, no go on Caleb. Not going to happen. I don't know if – well, I know some Giants, uh, Jets fans, excuse me, they would love to get Caleb. They've given up on the season after the fourth play in which Aaron Rodgers went down. But uh, I think looking at the schedule, I don't think it's going to happen. All right. Now we start the official list at number five. And this team currently has the number five overall pick in the draft. And you're quite familiar with them, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, their strength of schedule is 485 going forward, so the teams they're facing aren't necessarily uh, gangbusters. I think it helps that you're playing the Chicago Bears twice. And again, if two wins is the maximum games you can win, they play the Chiefs this week, then they're at the Bears, 49ers at Packers, at Atlanta. Saints and then Broncos. So they look like there's some wins on this schedule. And the other thing I would note is last year, this team won 13 games and had a negative point differential. This year, they're just not getting lucky. Kirk Cousins is playing better than I thought he did last year. 
the defense has gone from Donatel to Brian Flores absolutely blitzing zero coverage every single snap. So they went from one extreme to the other. That said, I think they're a pretty good football team, and I don't think they're going to be the running, but what do you think? No, absolutely not. And the losses they had this year would probably have been wins if they didn't turn the ball over. And so, and they're getting adjusted to Brian Flores' defense, who that'll be interesting against Kansas City. Do you actually blitz? Because they're the number one blitz team in the NFL right now by yeah. sending pressures. Do you do that against the Patrick Mahomes? But they will be able to win enough games, I think, down the stretch here to say that they're not going to have the number one overall pick, especially with the you know, way Justin Jefferson's playing, who's about ready to break every record possible by the end of this season. Uh, in the first four years as a receiver. Uh, they do have some players on defense. We, you know, Daniil Hunter can still rush the passer. Harrison Smith had a monster game last week. Stack master Harrison Smith. Yeah, and brought him closer to the line of scrimmage to do what he does best. So I think the Minnesota Vikings will get better, and they would probably have, you know, they had a chance in Philly. They had a chance in Tampa against Tampa. They just were – just giving games away by giving the balls away. You know, last year they were 11 and 0 in one score games. This year they're not. So um, we'll see how the rest of the season unfolds. But there is, they're too, they have too much talent still on that roster, in my opinion, to say that they're not going to win. They're only going to win one more game the rest of the way through. Yeah. I, I, I want to see how this plays out because you get to a point, and again, you say this all the time. You're not tanking football games, and you're just thinking about one step ahead of you. You're not trying to look into the future. But you would hate, <laughs> on some level, to be in a situation where you miss out on Drake May because you won. Well, I say this. You win a meaningless Week 17 game. But yeah. that said, I just said on Tuesday, Lovey Smith won the, the final game of the season. They got C.J. Stroud, which is exactly who they needed. Yeah. No, you never know. So it actually yeah. worked out great for Houston that they had the number two overall pick as right. we look at it today. Uh, who yep. knows if they had the number one overall pick, which direction they would have went. So, but so, sometimes you, you look at it and sometimes it's just luck in this thing too. And they've done a phenomenal job with CJ Stroud. We talked about on the Tuesday show and Bobby Slowick, his first time as an offensive coordinator, and D'Amico Ryans is doing a phenomenal job getting those players to play hard. They fly around on defense. They brought uh, C.J. Stroud along a lot faster than maybe people anticipated. And give credit to C.J. Stroud for how he much work he's put into it and how he's looked because you, it goes both ways. The coaches can put you in position to make plays and to do this and do that. But C.J. Stroud is even different than we saw uh, when he came out, you know, we saw you see him making plays with his legs. We saw, you know, that in little glimpses of that in a Georgia game. But I think that if you redrafted right now, C.J. Stroud would be the number one quarterback off the board. If you didn't take C.J. first overall, you're getting fired immediately. I mean, that's that's a layup. Yeah. And you got to look at the situation they're in. You know, I get it. Uh, the, you know, Nico Collins is playing lights out. Tank Dell is an explosive playmaker. Pierce got on track. And they're doing it without their full offensive line up there. They've had a lot of injury issues on the offensive line. So give credit to C.J. Stroud for kind of carrying this team uh, while the offensive line, hopefully Tunsil gets back here 
but it'll be uh, interesting to see where Houston ends up, especially in a, I, I guess I would say a weaker division in the uh, AFC South. Yeah, definitely weaker. All this is to say that if you're the Vikings, you don't necessarily need to have Caleb Williams or Drake May. Maybe you find QB three, and that's the guy that that you hit a home run with. Assuming they have to go with someone because Kirk Cousins is out of contract. So. Right, because Kirk Cousins in the final year of his deal, and um, and he's 38, I believe. 35. You keep making them 38. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll hit the top four teams right after this. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hi, Rick. We're up to number four, getting to the the meat of the issue here. Or maybe not, the Arizona Cardinals. This team, few teams have played harder than the Arizona Cardinals this year, especially given that they're only one and three. But they're doing it with a journeyman quarterback and Josh Dobbs, who has a relationship with Drew Petzing, the first-year offensive coordinator. But it didn't show up till right before the season started. The but didn't show up right before the season started. They uh, cut ties with Colt McCoy. Kyler Murray is still on the PUP coming back from the ACL. Uh, and the other quarterback is Toon? Clayton Toon, is he the backup? Clayton Toon, yeah. Yeah, so you're not going to roll a, a rookie out there. And Josh Dobbs has been pretty good. Now, we talked about Paris Johnson Jr. last week, the right tackle who has had a Great start to his career, uh, the top 10 pick there. That said, they currently hold the number nine pick and also the number 13 pick. And that number 13 pick is by way of the Will Anderson trade for the, the Houston Texans. So the strength of schedule is pretty tough. It's uh, 588 for the Cardinals coming up. They have some tough games here, uh, at least on well, – I'm looking. They play the Bengals. The Bengals are not good right now because of the injuries – to the quarterback position. Then they're at the Rams, at Seattle, Baltimore, Cleveland. So that's a tough little stretch there. Um, you think they have a shot at the number one pick? I do. I still do, even though um, they're, they're going to have a tough sledding the rest of the way through. And give credit to Jonathan Gannon and uh, Drew Petzing and uh, the offensive coordinator, Nick Rollis, the defensive coordinator, because they had a chance to win that Washington game. They should have beat the New York Giants. You know, they were yeah. somewhat competitive versus probably the best team in the NFL right now. It didn't turn out 70 to nothing or 70 to 20 like we've oh seen in some other show, other games. So, uh, give you know, they're, they're playing hard on defense. You know, Josh Dobbs is doing a phenomenal job for the situations he in, he's in. And, uh, you, you know, uh, James Conner is balling out right now about being able to run the ball. So they may have a – few upsets here or there if they keep playing the way they're playing uh but i still think out of all the teams that we talked about they still have the best opportunity to potentially end up with a number one overall pick and that one win came against a, a cowboys team that looked completely out of sorts a couple of weeks ago i mean they could beat the Bengals. 
but again, so the, the two, the two and a half is the line that I'm studying for Rick. You go over two and a half, you're a lot less likely to get that first overall pick. You got to stay at two or fewer. So they only got one game of wiggle room here. So you better take it easy against the Bengals because there's a chance you beat that team. All right. So right now, first place for Rick in terms of getting Caleb Williams, the Arizona Cardinals. All right, let's get to the uh, – Well, we didn't even talk about what if Kyler Murray comes back and does some magic. That's what I, that was gonna, I was going to ask the follow-up to. I was, before we moved yeah. on, I was going to say, what do you do? Well, you were getting Murray? ready to move on. I don't know if you were going to ask that follow-up. So me as your supporting <laughs> actor in this show, Thank you. you had to bring that up because – uh, what happens when Kyler Murray comes back? And let's say he comes back and plays well enough where they do win more games than expected. Um, but do you still make that decision yes. that if you do have the number one all overall pick, do you move on from Kyler Murray? And to get a Caleb Williams, there's no question in my mind, you take the hit that you're going to have to take from a cap standpoint, a dead money standpoint, since you're kind of in rebuild mold anyway and then get a Caleb Williams, but then it gets into the question we've talked about on the show before, would Caleb Williams go back to school if he had to go play for the Arizona Cardinals? Because I think his dad specifically mentioned the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray when he talked about um, those sorts of things. He didn't say absolutely we're coming back, but I think those the that that that, that was a team that got name-checked. So let's go through this. Kyler signed a five-year, $230 million contract, $29 million signing bonus, one fifty nine million guaranteed oh boy so you don't have a potential out really until 2028 oh gosh yeah well you have to look at their cap situation next year you have to look if they do move on what is the acceleration but they gave them such a significant signing bonus i imagine it's going to be uh really tough to swallow hey, let me, let me give you the number so yep. you ready so if you yep. cut them after the 2024 season so you got to bring them back for one more year and sit them on the bench um, 2024 dead cap, 48 million, 2025 dead cap, 33 million. That's a lot of cap space. That's not alive. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you look at it, is it worth it? Because Caleb Williams is going to be on a rookie contract. Let me ask you some details, some general manager, general manager details. So let's say you can trade Kyler and the, and the team wants you to pay some of Kyler's contract. How do you, how do you have those conversations? That's uh, had a lot of conversations like that. It seems like that's kind of the way the NFL is leaning. And you may see some of those conversations coming up before the trade deadline this year is that we will give you maybe a little higher pick because now teams are more worried about what their cap situation is going to be like next year. So if a team is willing to t take a chunk of that money, then maybe we'll give you a higher pick. Mm. If we're going to have to pay a majority of that contract, uh, then I want a lower pick for that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, in so you just you're going to, if I got to pay $10, uh, I will give you a third round pick. If I got to pay $20 of that contract, then I, I'm not going to give you a third round. I'm going to give you a fourth or fifth round pick. Gotcha. And that's just, a, that's a, 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 that conversation you give to your numbers guy and then they put into the, the computational machine and tell you what's what? Yeah. Well, yeah, you do that, but um, yeah, cause you got to spin it through all the numbers. Then you're having direct conversations with your ownership. Listen, if we pay of whatever that money is, let's say we pay 20 million of that, we will have potentially Caleb Williams if he wants to come play here, but that's a whole nother discussion. 
<laughs> will take the hit on that, but the guarantees would would travel to if it's a trade with that other team. So yeah, you, it, yeah. there's a lot of things that you have to balance out from cap gymnastics, as everybody refers refers it to. So, um, but there's ways to. One, you have to have a partner willing to dance with you. And two, what are you willing or what is your ownership willing to stomach uh, eating that con- some of that contract? How well does Caleb have to play? Excuse me. How well does Kyler have to play should he come back the next, the second half of the season for you to have even a, an inkling of, of a thought about not taking Caleb? Well, the Arizona's not going to win the NFC West. I know that. Yeah. But what if something happens where they get in a – crazy which you know because the nfc is maybe not as strong as the afc they somehow eke out a which i highly unlikely we're talking about you know 99 percent chance of not happening but what if they ended up getting a wild card because kyler murray came back and lit it up then that's a whole different conversation yeah yep and that right. takes you out of the Caleb Williams discussion right away. Anyway, so you're, yeah. you're almost stuck with Kyler. So it's to Kyler's benefit to drag this team to the playoffs, perhaps, uh, and then watch or, him take. Or the or as you say, in purgatory where you're 500. Yeah. <laughs> just just good enough, but not good enough. <laughs> Maybe get him another offensive lineman because Paris, Paris Johnson's been having a great season so far. All right. Let's see if you uh, knock the Cardinals out of the top perch when I name you this next team here number three on my list the new york football giants do you think they have a better chance of getting the number one pick than the cardinals no No, they're not playing as well as the cardinals they're not playing as well they probably could have lost to the cardinals but uh danny dimes is they're stuck with him because they just did that contract oh that's what you're more focused on yeah i'm more focused on danny the dimes contract because they're not going to be get be able to get out of that any way shape or form till after 2024 all right, let me pull it up and see what uh, what Daniel Jones' agent thinks about that because so he signed a four-year, $160 million deal, and there is a potential out after 2025, in which case, oh, boy, oh, gosh, 2024 yeah. dead cap would be $59 million, That's what the cap. issue is when you just do a contract like that. That's oh, a brand-new contract. Yeah. So when we're talking about the Kyler Murrays of the world, they already have eaten away at some of that contract. Because anytime it, in general, just a rule of, th- of thumb, I guess, if you want to say it that way to follow is, you always, or we always structured contracts in the first three years, knowing that we were not going to be able to get out of that contract in the first three years. Anything after that, we made sure how we structured that contract that we were able to get out of where it wouldn't, have that big of an impact on our cap. So you can inflate the numbers on the back end to make the agent look good. And yeah. Okay. God, you give this guy all this gazillion dollars, but none of that's guaranteed. So after the the end of the third year, you're able to get out of that contract and actually save money. It's just inflated because of the uh, non-guarantee portion of the contract, which may be the paragraph five or the base salary. It can look like, you know, $20 million, but none of it's guaranteed. So it looks like you owe $20 million on the cap, but if you cut him or trade him, then that $20 million is gone. All right, let me ask you two questions. Uh, number one, did you do those contracts, the three years front end for every player from number one to number 53 on the roster? And number no. two, you didn't. Okay, well, number two, and you don't have to name names, but how often did you regret giving 
year one and a half or year two that you you had them not too over. much because okay. most of the time we did that we did it with players that um were our core of our football team not okay. only on the field but off the field as well so uh usually when you're going to invest in that type of money into a player most of it was a guy that we've drafted or a guy that has been there that we knew not only what his character off the field or his leadership in the locker room uh, and his play on the field. So those are the contracts. Our philosophy was always trying to do, hopefully you draft well enough where you're going to extend uh, those guys that you already know. Gotcha. All right. So the Giants currently have the number 10 pick. They're playing like one of the worst teams in football. Let's say just for the sake of conversation, they get the first overall pick. They can't financially move on from Danny Dimes. What are you doing? I mean, this is the worst case scenario. Boy, <laughs> well, if you're number one overall pick, I mean, if you don't take Caleb Williams, the Giant fans will just absolutely destroy you because I don't think anyone's very excited about Daniel Jones and the way he's performing right now. Um, so, Do you have to take him? Well, those are the discussions that you're going to have. And would you take him? Let, let me ask you this. Would you pass up a franchise quarterback? You can't pass him up. Absolutely I mean, that's, not. That's too good hard of a position to find. And if you have an opportunity, if you think that guy is your franchise guy moving forward, then you just you just have to you have to do what you have to do. So right. So you have to do what you have to do. I'm, and it's hard because then you know uh Daniel Jones knows that his time is limited there. And uh but it gives you an opportunity for Caleb Williams to maybe come along slower, but how long do you keep a talent like Caleb Williams on the bench? And then how, you have the most expensive backup quarterback right. in league history. And I was going to say, how um, how do you get out of the having your hands tied behind your back salary cap hell you're in by having Daniel Jones sit there? You're trying to move him. You probably can't. You can't build the offensive line or whatever because you have so much money tied up and two quarterbacks only one can play. Yeah, no, that's a that's a nightmare scenario. That's why I'm glad I'm doing podcasts. <laughs> oh man! Uh, so I guess the lesson there is Daniel Jones, please get your and that's together. not going to happen with the Giants because I think once Saquon Barkley comes back, that they're a whole different team. And you know, is he blocking? About, huh? Is he a blocker? Because they need some of that. No, but you know, Jones can't turn the ball over like he's been. Yeah. You know, and last year we, we forget that's. The, the roster with some additions that actually went into Minnesota and uh, beat the uh, Minnesota Vikings and won a playoff game last year. Yeah, they need the uh, tackles. I think Andrew Thomas needs to get healthy. Evan Neal yeah. needs to play better. Dan Waller needs to get healthy. Put Jalen Hyde on the field. Just let him run. Go right routes. Do something because they're, that offense is so stagnant right now. They're better on paper now than they were last year, but they look nothing like that team. Right. You boy. All right. So you still give the Cardinals the best chance out of the Cardinals of the Giants to get the first overall pick, correct? Yes. All right. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hit the top two teams and see if Rick changes his mind. All right, Rick. We're getting into the thick of it now. This feels could be a, a sea changing moment in our conversation about who gets Caleb Williams. Number two on the list. They currently have the fourth overall pick should the draft in today, the Denver Broncos. Ooh, very now, interesting. You mentioned a 70 to 20 game. You didn't mention names. Uh, the Denver Broncos were involved in that game. I won't tell you on which side of the ledger they were on, but let's just say there's, there's first round 
Caleb Williams conversations being had. Now, Russ Wilson's playing better, but this team is nowhere near where it needs to be. The defense is, I don't know what's going on with that defense. My word. It's Vance Joseph, I'm praying for you because you need a lot of prayers your way to fix what's going on there. Uh, they tried to lose to the Bears. They came back and won that game late. Are you willing to replace the Arizona Cardinals in the Caleb Williams conversation with the Denver Broncos? Yeah. Now, here's the situation in the uh, Russell Wilson contract, because I did do some uh, homework oh, good. on this one. So if they trade him, let's say they trade him, because you're not going to cut him. But if you trade him in 2024, you got $68 million in dead money and $32.6 million against your cap, and you're already – Right now, projected $13 million over the cap. So you're going to have to do a lot. Um, and you can't move on from Russell Wilson because of that contract. Because right. that will just devastate you. You have to be as creative as you possibly could um, to try to make everything fit under the cap. Because last year, you remember, they didn't have a lot of draft picks. So they went out and signed McGlitchie. They went out and signed Ben Powers. Uh, from Baltimore, McGlitchie from San Francisco. Uh, Sean Payton started to bring in his New Orleans Saints guys. They've traded for tight ends. Uh, the kicker. The kicker. <laughs> Will Lutz. Yeah, Will Lutz. You know, so they have done a lot uh, adding to this roster through free agency because of the lack of draft capital. But they have so much help they need on defense. But they're 32nd in almost every category I looked at, you know, they're giving up 20. They've given up 20 offensive touchdowns, which at a historic rate, maybe 19 of those came against the uh, Miami dolphins, but you know, it's, <laughs> and, and you gotta no look, they walk. just, yeah, they, this week, they also just let Randy Gregory go. They and they're paying to pay him. They're going to have to pay him because he had 14 million in guarantee. So, it would be extremely, extremely creative if this scenario happened on how they get around it all. And it sounds like it would be worse in Denver than it would be with the New York Giants should they have the first overall pick and you take Caleb Williams because you have even less wiggle room financially to build around Caleb, correct? Yes, yeah, because Russell Wilson's contract's a whole different animal than uh, Daniel Jones. Well, this team is currently 1-3 by virtue of the fact they beat the Bears. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see their schedule coming up. They have the Jets. Who knows who wins that game? Chiefs, Packers, Chiefs. Oh my God, they, they made them play the Chiefs twice in three weeks. Then they get the at least ride. they get it over with early in the season before the bye. <laughs> and then they they were kind enough to get the Bills coming out of the bye. Uh, even that Texans game in Week 13 is no longer uh, a cakewalk. Nope. No. So th there are a lot of tough games on this schedule. I feel like they're going to win more than two. They'll win two more games. Yeah. Well, you got to look. They were competitive in the first two games. They actually should have won those two games, and it wasn't because of Russell Wilson, it was because of the defensive letdown. Right. And watching tape on them, I mean, they are so undisciplined on the defensive side of the ball. And just from an assignment standpoint and people not exactly knowing where to be uh, when <laughs> they line problem. up, which is a problem. Maybe they get better on defense. They actually made some plays to win that game against the Chicago Bears, a big fourth down stop when why you wouldn't kick a field goal. That's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, it is, but they also, you got to look at Justin Fields who has struggled through this whole time 
all of a sudden came to life against the uh, Denver Broncos defense and had maybe one of his best games of his career against that defense. His only 300-plus yard passing game. Of course, he had the uh, the one play that crushed him with that fumble uh, towards the end of the game. You mentioned the decision to, to go for it instead of kick the field goal. The funny thing is, is the analytics and the analytics department catches a lot of flack from the uh, hardcore football guys. Analytics said kick field goal there. But again, that's a conversation for another time. So you think Denver has a better chance than the Cardinals or no to get the first overall pick? No. Okay. And looking at the schedule, you, it, they're going to get three, at least three wins. So it's still Arizona. They'll end up close to 500 before it's said and done. Oh, boy. Now I think you, you're doing a drug test if you think that's the case. Uh, so let me, we're ranking here. Arizona is the Rick's pick right now. Who's second, the Giants or the Broncos? Broncos or Giants. I don't think either of them are second. They're, they're both not going to be close. Right. If we're just ranking the teams we've talked about. Yeah. Okay. All right. Time for number one. I don't think this is going to be a huge surprise. We just talked about this team and finding new and inventive ways to lose the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Chicago Bears clearly hold the number one overall pick. They are fortunate to have the number two overall overall pick by virtue of the Carolina Panthers. Now, the Panthers could get the first overall pick, but they have Bryce Young. They're not moving on from that. Let me ask you that quickly. So let's say you're Carolina. Oh, it doesn't matter because the pick goes to, to – Yes, yeah. So, so they don't have to worry. They don't have to have that conversation. That's a no. good thing for them. All right, so look, man, I don't know if it matters if the Chicago Bears were playing the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants for the rest of the season. I don't know if they're going to get to three wins. It's just so much – uncertainty with that team on both sides of the ball. Now, you mentioned Justin Fields played better, and he did, but I have a lot of concerns with the play calling, and much the same way I have concerns with the Steelers' play calling, but that's a conversation for another podcast. And the schedule here is, uh, I mean, show me a win. Maybe the Raiders, maybe the Panthers in Week 10, but you beat the Panthers, you're helping your cause anyway. Yep. And then... Maybe the Cardinals and the Falcons at the end of the season. Yeah. So, does this team win three games? Um, not the way they're playing right now, <laughs> because they're finding ways, and it's just such. Uh, what's the best way to put it? A hot mess in yeah. Chicago. That's a good way to put it. You know, because they went out and spent money on the defensive side of the ball. They went out and signed Edmonds and T.J. Edwards from Philly. Edmonds from. Uh, which they spend a lot of money on two linebackers, which I don't know and didn't address really the pass rush. Although the they then they signed uh, Njoku late. Uh, let me check. I know they. Uh, let me ask you this while I look that up. Getting a time machine here. Darnell Wright's been Yannick. Yeah, Yannick's on. They signed Yannick. Oh, Yannick and Gakwe. Gotcha. And okay. Gakwe. Yeah. Uh, Darnell Wright, the rookie they drafted 10th overall, has been pretty good. Like I, I know I liked him a little bit more than you, but he's he's not he's holding his own. Would you have rather had Jalen Carter at nine? Yes. Now, but that's Monday morning quarterbacking. But at the moment even, we talked about like, it, let me ask you this. You've watched both of, of, of them, I'm assuming. Uh, just if you had if you were the Chicago Bears at number nine, was it worth it at that point? knowing the background that we had on Jalen Carter to take him at number nine. I hesitantly say yes, but the other issue is, and we talked about at the top fit matters and culture matters. And there doesn't be seem to be, there doesn't seem to be a culture in Chicago. 
It sounds like Chase Claypool might be getting released, according to some reports. He's been inactive. Last week, they sent him home. Matt Eberflus didn't want to talk about why. That doesn't happen in Philadelphia with Howie Roseman, with Nick Sirianni, with all the Georgia teammates around him. So on paper, yeah, it's a layup, but this defense has been so bad. That said, this offense has been pretty atrocious too. So I don't, I mean, I don't know if it makes a difference. I would have taken Jalen Carter if there was infrastructure in place around them, but I don't know if Chicago could provide that because they can't seem to do anything right. Yeah, right now, like I said, it's a hot mess in that locker room. And, you know, when the quarterback's coming out a couple of weeks ago and blaming the offensive coordinator technically on why he was struggling. But I still think Justin Fields, I mean, you have to take Caleb Williams. I don't think Justin Fields fits schematically what they're doing. Because well, Let me ask you this, though. So this isn't and you haven't really had this because you 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 were in Minnesota for a decade as the general manager. And, and even there before that, you were in the front office. But this isn't Ryan Poles' quarterback. This isn't Matt Eberflus' quarterback. So you know how those conversations go. Well, we need our guy. Right. Let and they'll get you. their – I think they'll get a shot to get their guy. I think Ryan Poles will. Eberflus, I mean, Ooh. there's going to be so much heat on him right now. He's 3-14 and 14 in his career. Yeah. And the one thing, he is a defensive-minded right. head coach. And the defense is probably playing worse than the offense is right now. Imagine but, that. <laughs> yeah. And they've had a couple of drafts to address that defensive side of the ball, but I don't think any of those guys are playing to the level that they thought. I mean, Brisker had a pretty good rookie year till he got hurt last yeah. year, you know, but they need to somehow get better on the defensive side of the ball. Then they had to deal with their defensive coordinator and the oh, issues gosh, that yeah, came about up that. with him as well. Jeez. So they're dealing with a lot of distractions right now. But, and I'm going to ask you this question just while we're on the Justin Fields topic, because there's no question, I don't think there's any question in your mind that if they have the number one overall pick, they have to take Caleb Williams because there's no, no doubt about that. But coming out, Justin Fields, and I went back and looked at all my notes from uh, our scouting reports, and he was the best deep ball thrower coming out of the draft that year. But he was very hesitant when he had to throw in tight windows, and he was very hesitant if he had to get off his first initial read. So if a Justin Fields with that type of athlete that he is was in a Philly scheme or what they're doing with Anthony Richardson and Indy uh, or even in Baltimore with a Lamar Jackson type, do you think – that he would have more success than what they're trying to do with him in Chicago. Cause the number one thing he can't do, he's not going to drop back or take the shotgun snap, sit in the pocket and go a to B to C. That's not what his game is about. But yeah. if you put him in those other schemes, do you think we're having the same conversations about Justin Fields? No. And that's a great point. He doesn't throw with a lot of anticipation and that can be frustrating if that's what your offense is predicated upon. And it is interesting because what I always go back to, okay, this quarterback is struggling in this system. And I always go to the extreme. Let's put him in a Shanahan system. Let's put him in a McVay system. Would he have success there? Now, Trey Lance didn't, but Trey Lance was injured, so we have no real sense. But typically, Shanahan and McVay can get the most out of a quarterback because they understand that you're building the system around the quarterback, not the other way around. So part of me wonders if it's – does it make more sense – I mean, look, they're taking Caleb Williams if he's there, but would it have made more sense to get someone who – 
would try to fit the system around Justin instead of shoehorning whatever this is supposed to be because it's not working. Now, well, they better have those conversations. If well, that's what I was going to ask you. When you get hired, yeah. you're talking to, in this case, Ryan Poles and Eberflus are talking, or Ryan Poles is, he was, I think he hired Eberflus. You're talking to the, the owner or the president. You're having conversations, I would imagine, about can you, what can you do with Justin Fields? Not let's draft someone, right? Yeah. Well, if Justin Fields isn't what they want, they mean, because it was uh, an arranged marriage, per se, then give us an opportunity to go get our guy. Someone's going to say that in the interview when they're trying to get the job? Well, that's the one thing that you're going to ask during the interview process is that we got Justin Fields. Tell me why this is going to work with Justin Fields. And can you make it work? And how can you adjust your scheme accordingly to make Justin Fields uh, fit? Because I don't think Jalen Hurst would have had the same success if Steichen, who's now the head coach at Indy, and um, that entire staff did not get that offense to fit what just what uh, Jalen Hurts does best. Yeah. And what, what's he do? Okay, he got he became a much better passer because you got AJ Brown, who <laughs> is unique, and you got Devontae Smith. But while he was learning, they designed plays for him to use his legs and you know he has an ungodly amount of rushing touchdowns yeah what did justin fields do last year when chicago was actually everybody was hyped up on justin fields he was running for two thousand yards a game because they didn't have him think they made it simplified it and they let him use his legs to make plays now what i've watched so far is i think that justin fields is trying to be a pocket passer and that's not what his strength is. And even like you say, well, Rick, how can you say he's an accurate deep ball thrower? Well, if you look at the Kansas City game, he hit um, DJ Moore down the field. Yeah, great throw. Great throw. And DJ Moore dropped it. And he hit someone down the middle of the field. Uh, I don't know if Claypool played that game or not, but I think he did. And Claypool dropped it. Yeah. So. Find out. That's what you got to know. What is this quarterback's strengths and how can we use his strengths to our system or how can we adjust our system to his strengths? Because the young uh, offensive coaches now that are getting head coaching jobs are the ones that are figuring out, I can take this quarterback and adjust our scheme this way to make sure that he is going to have success. Five or six years ago, maybe some of the older offensive coordinators, this is our scheme. And I think Rich Gannon had mentioned this a few times. He was an MVP, and then all of a sudden a new coordinator came in and tried to make him a pocket passer, and he said, I had no success because that's not what my strength was. I was an MVP when I was getting out, rolling, using my legs, doing the things that I do best. I'm not going to sit there and sit in a pocket and take three, five, seven-step drops and throw the ball down the field. And by the way, that might be something that Caleb Williams' family is looking at as well. If we're going to a system where you're ruining quarterbacks because you're just doing what you want to do and not trying to accentuate what they do well, I mean, on some level, it makes more sense to go back if you're getting drafted by Chicago than Arizona. Well, the other piece that will come into it is the market. I mean, Chicago is a pretty significant market. 
because there's going to be other opportunities off the field for you as well. New York is a pretty big market. Yeah. You know, Arizona, Phoenix may not be the same market as Chicago or New York. Um, so, who? I mean, there's so many th factors that are going to go into it. That, you know, we're just sitting here speculating. We're BSing. Also, number uh, the other thing that maybe might might entice Caleb is that number the number two pick is going to be Marvin Harrison going to your team as well. <laughs> yeah, that that may be enticing. <laughs> All right, that's it, Rick. We got through it. I'll get one last ranking from you. Clearly, the Bears are most likely to get the first overall pick as we sit here at the quarter pole, right? At the quarter pole, I still think it's going to end up being Arizona. Really? Okay. All right. That's gonna it'll it'll make things much more interesting, and it'll make Bears fans predictably sad. But that seems to be in lockstep with how their season has gone thus far and recent seasons as well. All right. Any last words from the library? No. Thanks to Sanibel Public Library for accommodating <laughs> me when my internet went out on the island today. So <laughs> we were yeah. able to still continue the show. Absolutely. And tell those kindergartners to come back in the room and learn how to read and count yes. right after the show. All right, that's it. That's a wrap. I'm going to ask them how many days are till the 2024 NFL draft. We'll yeah, see if well, anyone knows it or not. See if they know it because you know it. it's 203. Also, another number for you. That's a wrap on episode 86. I forgot how to say sick. 86 there. All right, that's it. Thanks as always to my guy Rick. Thanks to Josh for producing. Tebow's out and about doing his thing. And thanks to all you guys who watch and listen and comment. We'll be back next Tuesday for another pop and drop. So have a great weekend. <laughs>